What beautiful time-lapse imagery of one of the most amazing parks that you can go to in our country. How many people have seen the Grand Tetons? Could you raise your hands? Not many people get to see the incredible splendor of the Grand Tetons, which actually forms and shapes the um, uh, Yellowstone uh, uh, Park that most people go and see. But it's just absolutely amazing. We just are showing these once a week, just, just in case you're not traveling and you're not getting out past the South Carolina border. Uh, we wanted to offer you an opportunity. I know a lot of people are traveling this summer to the national parks. And our faith is a road trip. And it takes itself into different states and to different environments. And topography is one of the most amazing parts of, of geology and the, and the science of the study of the formation of the earth. But it, it looks at the way things are mapped out and the way that things are formed and the way things are shaped. And that all these different places, whether it's the Grand Canyon or Yosemite or Death Valley, they all have topography. They all have a shape to them. They have, they have a design to them. They have highs and they have lows and they have rock and they have trees and that make up the whole topography. Um, your faith journey has topography. And this is really important because there are times when the topography of your faith journey is, is very clear and very straight. You know exactly where you're going and you're heading and, and there's no gravity working against you. There's no height working against you. But then there are times when your faith journey takes you into the dry and the hot places, the places that are low. And when we think about the images of faith, a lot of times we think about the high moments or the moments when, when things are going great in our lives. But we need to realize that topography of faith brings us through all kinds of rock formation, all kinds of places with God that may be different than the people around you. And, and the reason why we're going through this is to help every one of us realize that regardless of your topography, your faith journey with God is real and it's important. Your topography may have a divorce in it. Your topography may have um, cancer in it. Your topography may have doubt in it or even an addiction built in it. And it's part of the journey, the things that you go through. And God wants us to stop comparing ourselves to one another. Stop looking at how somebody else's faith journey is going and that you discover in the God in the middle of what your journey is like and in the shape and the the turns and the highs and the lows of it. And he also wants us to, to stop looking at other people's faith journey and critiquing it. He wants us to realize the valid work that God is doing in every single person and that their faith journey matters to us as well. So last week we looked at the Arches National Park and we learned that just like all the other parks, there is a natural story to it because of erosion there's a lot of curves, a lot of shape, wasn't a lot of trees, but a lot of erosion. And our, our lives have, natural, have a natural story. Every one of us have a genetic makeup. We're born with a particular color or a particular gender into our lives. We're born from a, a, an ethnicity or a, a background. We have a physical makeup. We have a social experience that we have in family or in our community, and we, we all have a different shaping force, and that makes up our natural story. It's, it's what time and experience has carved into the rock of who we are as individuals. So when we walk in here today, we all have different shapes. We all have different stories, and that's why Jesus is very clear to tell the disciples, stop judging one another. 
because you don't know the topolo top topography. Topology is a mathematics thing that you don't want to get into. But topography, every one of us have a different topography and we've been through different experiences and you don't know what the person sitting next to you has been through and the amount of work that God has done in their lives. But we also have a grace story that embedded in the natural story, God invites us to a, to a new grace story with him. And, and we looked at Abraham and Sarah last week, and we found some really yucky things in their natural story. And that's why I think it was put in Genesis. Is that to God to let us know that, that all these faith heroes that we read about in the Bible, they have a natural story, and their natural story doesn't look any better than yours or mine. They did some really screwed up and weird things in their lives. And that God, is, God embedded a grace story. And when they trusted God, when they began to take a journey with God and allowed him to move in their lives, in the middle of this natural story, something emerged. It's this grace story. And that's what God wants to do in us. He doesn't want us just to have a natural story of experiences in time, social experiences, but rather, he wants us to experience a grace story in the middle of our natural story. So today, we're going to take a look at one of my favorite guys on a road trip with God. And this guy, he's probably my favorite Bible character. You would think it was Paul, but it's, it's not. It's, it's this guy named Gideon. And I think I love him because he, was, he wasn't super strong. He wasn't super courageous. But he was just somebody that that worked through this process and journey with God, this road trip with God, to deal with the issue of his fears. He was somebody who repeatedly had to face self-doubt, you know, doubt in himself, but also doubting God. And I wouldn't, I don't think I have to go far that maybe there's some folks here today that are like me, that you go through a cycle of, of self-doubt. You go through a time where you question God and you, you wonder if God's actually involved in your life. And he was that kind of guy. And that's, that's why I love him so much because his faith journey, his road trip affirms my road trip. He was someone who had to constantly face the challenges around him. And he, and he lived in the nation of Israel at a time when they had turned their back on God. It wasn't a glorious time. It wasn't like they were at the pinnacle of walking through the Red Sea or anything like that. They, they had turned their back on God and, and a lot of bad things had happened to their life. And as a result of it, bullies known as the Midianites would pick on them. Every time something good would happen for the Israelites, the Midianites would sit up in the hill country and come down and they would ruin it. Every time the Israelites would make something nice, uh, the Midianites would see it and they'd spot it out and they'd ride down and they would take it. Every time the Israelites would cook something good and the smell of, well, I was going to say bacon, but it wouldn't have been them. Uh, but the smell, I'm not sure what, I don't know what smells good out of their diet, but that's, as soon as something started to cook, the Midianites would come down and they would take it and they would eat it. So like a lot of Israelites, they felt small. And this is how they were described in Judges 6.6. 6. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. I think we could just let that phrase just speak to us. Israel was brought low, weak and faded. 
And there are times in our journey when the topography dips low. And that's where they were. And maybe that's where you are today. Your topography is in a place where, you know, everything has harassed you. Every time you turn around, it doesn't work out. And you find yourself in a low place. So we meet Gideon while he's working in this low place. While he's in this faith position, his GPS is in a low place in his relationship with God or the experience of faith that he's having. And in Judges 6, 11, we are told, now the angel of the Lord came while Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Now I want you to look at how Gideon was living. He was beating out wheat in the wine press. Normally, wine is stomped on in the wine press. But he was taking wheat and he was bringing it inside and putting it in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So he was somebody who was now doing something the wrong way because fear was driving him. It's not, it's not unheard of. Some of us do family a little weird because we're afraid. Some of us, we use the objects of our homes or our cars or the things around us. We use our status or whatever in weird ways because we are afraid. We feel low. And so it begins to alter how we interface with the world around us, how we use things, how we interact with people. Fear makes us do weird things. It makes us act small. It makes us live with an expectation that whatever I have is going to be taken away from me. But I want you to listen how God addresses Gideon in this low place. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Gideon sees himself as a small person trying to avoid being beat up by the bullies. Have you ever done that? I remember in junior high, uh, dodging this one kid. I mean, he was the guy that could grow a mustache before everybody else. You know, uh, it, it, you know I remember as a little boy just looking at him. And, and we would, I would go up to the third floor of my junior high, walk all the way down and come back down the other way just to avoid running into this kid. And Gideon sees himself as a small person trying to avoid a bully of his life. But God sees him with, with heaven's eyes. God sees him for what he can be or what he already is, but Gideon doesn't know it yet. God sees what Gideon wrestles with. He sees what you wrestle with. He sees the battles that you've won, and he sees the battles that you've lost. But he looks at you with these grace eyes. But Gideon doesn't see it, like most of us. He only adds up all the bad things that happen to him. Uh, I, I love the way that, I mean, here he has this manifestation of God show up to him in an angel form, and he's interacting with this, this angel that's representing God. And this is the first thing, after he's been told that he's a mighty man of valor, this is the first thing he wants to say to God. And Gideon says to the angel, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Because the crap that goes around our lives, 
the bad things that happen around us, the things that we bring us low, doesn't it spurn one, the first question is that if God is really with me, then why am I dealing with this? Why is this in my life? Why do I have to go through this? And maybe you're in that place right now, and, and here's a Bible guy. They haven't been out of Israel a whole long, I mean, out of Egypt a really long time, and he's already saying, listen, you know, it's, it's not playing out the way that I heard the stories talk about how God moved in other people's lives. What about us? If God's really with me, then why am I having a hard time? Why am I having difficulty in walking through a, a hardship? He continues, and he says to the Lord, and where are all God's wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us? Doesn't sound like somebody with a faith journey, does it? But it is. This is exactly what faith sounds like in a person who's journeying with God. Where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, and he has given us into the land of Midian. You know, when you get brought low, and I think every one of us have been brought low at least once in our lives, when you get weak and faded, when you get small, the story of your life, even the world around you, and not even just you get small, and not just the world gets small, but God gets small. You know, we develop a small expectation from ourselves when we get put in a low place. We just don't think we're going to pull off much. This is it. This is life. This is all there is. As we begin to walk through these faded times, these brought low moments, we begin to, our expectation of what's going to happen in our lives, really, we really don't have one. We develop small expectations of the person next to us, but we develop a small expectation of God. Don't really expect much out of him. And everything begins this process of shrinking. We lose our map. I, we are going to the Grand Tetons later on in the fall, and I just downloaded a GPS program that the National Parks has if, that you download, and it shows you that whatever trail that you're on, it can show your exact location. Because in the Grand Tetons, there are grizzly bears and black bears. There's all kinds of critters out there. Well, I guess when they're that big, you don't call them critters. You just call them sir. Um, I mean... So I've got this GPS thing on my iPhone so that it will track me wherever I am. But I can imagine if me and Susan are out there, you know, two 60-year-olds walking out in the middle of the Grand Tetons coming up on a, a black bear, and all of a sudden uh, my GPS doesn't work. And all of a sudden I don't know how to get back to the trail that we just came off of, and we got turned around. But life happens that way. And it happens to each and every one of us where we, our expectation becomes small and then our perception of God becomes small and we lose our mapping. We, we kind of lose where we're at. So God knows this about Gideon. You know, and what would you think God would normally say in this situation? God just say, well, if God's really with me and where the heck have you been since we came out of Egypt is basically what he said. Wouldn't you think God would say, well, listen here, you little whippersnapper. You know, don't talk to me that way. You brought this on yourself, you Israelite, you. God can get real vicious like that. <laughs> you know, and he doesn't respond that way. 
And you need to know that. If you're doubting God right now and you feel real small, don't expect God to all of a sudden get ticked off with you. The faith journey of, uh, that we are on allows moments for this. Our grace story allows moments. And to help Gideon change his small thinking, God, God gives him a big thought. And this is really important. Listen to, to what the Lord says. And I just noticed this this morning as I was going over my notes. And the Lord turned to him. I didn't notice that before. Now, I don't know if the writer of this is, is talking about a physical turn or an turn of intentionality, attention. You know, regardless, both of them express the same thing. But it didn't just say the Lord said to him. It said the Lord turned to him. That the posture of God was towards Gideon even in his moment of doubt. Like you may think God has turned away, but God has turned towards you through Christ. The posture of God is towards you. And it says, and God turns to him in this moment and says to him, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And Gideon said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I got to say one thing for Gideon. He knows exactly who he is. You know, he's in this tribe, he's in this house, and he's the smallest. He knows exactly whether or not he measures up to the world around him. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Gideon insists that he's too small for the job. He is too small. His family is too small. His tribe is too small. He really is the smallest of the smallest. We got to admit that. Instead of us trying to coax ourselves into some positive thinking about you're really a big man or a big woman, you know, and, and try to, you know, change our personal view of ourselves or, or uh, try to go to the gym so we become bigger. The Lord knows too many of us have done that and, and trying to make more money so that we can get larger. Gideon is small and he is in a hard place and he's the smallest of the smallest. So I'm not here to tell you and God's not here to tell you you're not small or that you're not in a bad place. We need to be like Gideon and do good accounting. Yeah, life sucks. I'm going to really, I really wonder where the heck God is. I think God is affirming Gideon in the middle of this. But God gives Gideon a big thought. Now, I don't know if you have been to the parks, but um, he gives Gideon an El Capitan thought. If you've ever been to Yosemite on the, on the left here, you can see El Capitan. That is, that is kind of the signature image of Yosemite. Whenever you show somebody uh, this image, they think immediately of El Capitan. As a matter of fact, uh, Mac uses it as a description of its operating system because it's so large and, and so glorious and beautiful. And, and so that's the signature thought of Yosemite. When you go to Yellowstone, there's Old Faithful. And as soon as you think about Yellowstone, if I was to tell you, yeah, have you ever been to Yellowstone? Or, you know, have you ever had thoughts about Yellowstone? You would probably have the big thought, the signature thought. And that signature thought would be Old Faithful. 
And whenever anybody shows one image of Yellowstone, they're not going to show you the little canyon and the river that's there. They're not going to show you the, the, the elk and the, and the other critters that are there. But what they're going to show you is the signature thought, and that is Old Faithful. If you go to the, uh, to the Tetons, you will see that there is one particular thought, and it is the Grand Teton, and that's the one everybody wants to hike. That's the one everybody climbs. That is the signature element of this national park. It is the signature thought in your life that will drive you. We all have a collection, a body of thoughts about what we think about ourselves, what we think about God, what we think about the world around us. But God gives Gideon a signature thought, and it's this. Do not I send you? I will be with you. That's the signature thought. There are a lot of unanswered questions. God never says to him, well, let me just tell you where I've been since Egypt. Well, let me explain to you why bad things are happening to good people. He doesn't explain that. Those are a lot of different thoughts. But he gives them one signature thought that if you get into the God thing, if you begin to walk in God with all the questions that you may have, what is the one thing that I need to hear from God? And, and God says, haven't I chosen you? Don't I send you? Aren't you on a journey that, that I have put together? Aren't I with you? And won't I always remain with you? You may want a thousand answers to 10,000 questions, but there's only one signature thought, and that's that God's with us, and he's a part of our journey. Why does God tell him this? I, I think this is an interesting observation from a very vain man. Um, why doesn't God just make Gideon bigger? You know, it's stupid. Um, I'll just tell it myself. Uh, you know, I'm six, one and three quarters. You know what that means? I'm six, two. Now, every, almost every dude on the planet goes through this stupid thing. You know, I won't get a haircut so that I'll be six, two. I'll wear boots so that I'll be six, two. It's like, well, what would your life be at six, one? Or what would your life be at six foot? But I think, you know, why doesn't God just make Gideon bigger, stronger like Samson? Why not do that with him? And I've come to discover in my own life that reducing your fears is better than raising your stature. Reducing your fears is better than raising your stature. Because what I've noticed is that big people have fear too. Rich people have fear too. Influential people have fear too. Educated people have fear too. Fear is the biggest bully on the planet. And God can't design you to be bigger than fear. But he can help you reduce fears in your life by changing the way that you think. This is why I love Gideon, because this interaction with God does something to him. The signature thought, do not I send you, and will I not be with you, that drops into Gideon. 
He's still the smallest guy in the smallest family, in the smallest tribe of a downtrodden, beaten nation. But this idea, this signature thought of God being with me and God sending me begins to have an effect. Judges 6.24 tells us, And then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. Because when you know that God is with you, it has, a, it has an effect on your peace. It changes what's going on inside of your thoughts, inside of your soul. That's his altar. He builds an altar there. It's like, you know what, the, the more I focus on the fact that God has sent me and that God is with me and that he'll be with me, we begin to construct within inside of us an altar of peace to the Lord. That means the things that bothered us, that unraveled us, don't seem to have the same power. Now, sure, we're still walking through them, and we're still only six foot one and three quarters, but yet there's something that has changed inside of me as an individual as fear begins to be cast out. Gideon's faith journey takes him through the land of self-doubt to a place of divine assurance. That's, that's what Gideon does right. And every one of us, we do it. We're walking through the valley of self-doubt and self-questioning and questioning of, God, of, of all that. And that's part of our journey. But Gideon doesn't stop with that. He goes to that place of divine assurance. And that divine assurance that God is with me dispels fear and it brings peace into my life. <laughs> Does Gideon ever doubt himself again? Because you're thinking, wow, Gideon. Got it. That's it. His life has changed. This is it. Gideon's awesome. He finally got it. Well, that's, he didn't. Um, because he leaks, just like you and I do. Did Gideon ever doubt himself again? Yes, just like us. Three more times in this story, and I won't read them, but three more times, he asked God, are you there are you with me? And he sets up these little tests for God to prove that he really is with Gideon. I'm glad that's in the story. Because, yeah, I've had days when I've walked away, it's like, wow, God's moving in my life. I love God. I mean, I can just sense his presence. And then I'll go into those places like, you know, I wonder if even God gives a rip I'm even here. I mean, where the heck is he? Why, why am I going through this again? Then I'll be this time, I'll be like, God is awesome, isn't he great? He, you know, and, and then I'll be in this next, and it's just like I keep going through this cycle, and you know, I think, what's wrong with me? Well, apparently, it's part of the journey of faith. Three times he asks him, so what makes Gideon a man of faith? Here's, here, here it is. It's that Gideon repeatedly seeks his reassurance from God. He's not asking this question of his wife. He's not asking this question of his drinking buddies. He's not asking the people he works with. He's not looking at his past accomplishments. He's not looking in the mirror at his stature, but he's asking God. You're still with me, right? I can do this, right? It's nothing wrong with having questions, but the problem is, is who we're asking the questions to. And God says, you can always ask me questions, especially about the journey and about your self-doubt and about whether or not I am with you. 
And that's what Gideon does really well. His natural story was one of insignificance, like a lot of us. His great story was, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. He had a natural story. He was short, born into the wrong family, the wrong tribe, and probably the wrong nation. His natural story was one of insignificance. But his great story was that the Lord is with you, and that changes who you are. So let me read to you something from the Apostle Paul, and and I'm not going to put it up on the screen because I want you to hear it. Sometimes if we're seeing something and hearing something, we we have to choose which of the two is actually affecting us. But Paul in Romans 8.31 speaks for Gideon, and he speaks in this mind of Gideon. And he's... He says this in Romans 8, 31. He says, what then shall we say to these things? And what, right now here today, what what should you say to the things I just told you about Gideon? What should we, what effect is it supposed to have? What do you think? What effect does it have in our lives? What have we learned about the journey? He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He immediately goes to the signature thought. God is with me. God is for me. God has sent me. He goes right to the signature thought. He who did not spare his own son but freely gave him, us, gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God sent ones. It is God who has justified you. Who is to condemn us? After all, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is seating at the right hand of God himself. Who indeed, right now, is interceding for us. Who shall separate us then from the love of God? Shall tribulation, or darkness, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? Paul says, like Gideon, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through, through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, any topography of life, or anything else in all of creation will will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's our signature thought right there. I don't know the answer to why you're walking through what you're walking through. And I also cycle through the self-doubt and insignificance that you may feel occasionally in your life. But God has given us the signature thought that I have called you, that I have chosen you, that I have sent you, that I know where you are. I I know you're in the middle of a place that's called low, and you're probably doing life the wrong way but I will come and I will be there with you 
and I see what you can be. You see insignificance, I see a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor. I see your potential. I see what's in you. So we move into this moment of expression. Gideon was tired of the bullies, and I know you are too. And Gideon was willing to face his limitations and his fears because he believed God would be with him. You know, we really just got to let God speak into our lives today. And he may not be giving you the answer that you want, but he will give you the answer you need. I have no doubt about that. He will give you that grand Teton. He will give you that old faithful. He will give you the El Capitan of all thoughts, that I am with you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Are you allowing past mistakes to continue to make you feel small? Stop listening to the bullies. Stop listening to your shortcomings. Let me ask you, do you seek the reassurance of God when the journey dips low? Who do you go to talk to? Who do you ask the questions of life to when times get hard? Go to God. Go to God in this moment. God always focuses on what you can be, not what you've been. Because what you have been, the cross is already resolved. Where God wants to take you, the cross has already arrived. Father, as we enter into this moment with you, as you visit us in our wine press, and as wrong as we may be doing life and as messed up as it may be, you don't come and tell us how messed up we are. You come and tell us that you are with us, that you'll never leave us, that you'll never forsake us. For all of us who at times feel brought low and we feel so small, and the topography of our journey is in such a dark place. God, you give us that one thought, that one signature idea. I am with you. I have called you. I have chosen you. I have sent you. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. God, I would rather have the dispelling of all my fears than one inch be added to my stature. Because when I am at peace with God, I can live large in the world around me. So Father God, we ask that your peace will speak into the lives of everyone here. That in this few moments, that we may have a conversation of reassurance with you.